0: In a world called Craig's List. Bonjour les auditeurs de
1: Craig. Bonjour Carla. Bonjour. Ça va? Uh, uh, très bien. Ça
0: va? What does that que, mean? Que, well, ça va is just like, uh, how's it going? You said and,
1: very good. I was right. <laughs>
0: Typically uh, I don't know why, but uh French people say sava and they just say sava back.
1: Not typically. Maybe oh, okay. that's a thing, but I also took a French class in high school.
0: Okay. Uh- <laughs>
1: How about say it again. Say "sava." Sava? Come see come ça.
0: Oh nice. Do
1: you know what that means? Uh
0: a little from column A, a little from column B. So so. Here and
1: So-so. there.
0: <laughs> so so yeah, I love that I'm trying to uh, French-splain to you when oh, I know...
1: Fucker, we just started.
0: <laughs> I know practically nothing about the beautiful language of Francais. Uh, I feel like it's been a while.
1: It's been so long. I missed you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we were together for two weeks. We Oh, just that's weren't-
1: right. I didn't miss you that much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you only miss me when I'm away, yeah. when I'm right there. You know, you, you don't appreciate the things that are right there in front of you
1: it's true. sometimes. This has been a whirlwind the past few weeks. Oh, My life is just a whirlwind right now. It's very tell, exciting.
0: <laughs> tell the listeners about the whirlwind that is Carla's life.
1: Well, I was in Portland, and then I flew to LA, and then we flew to Dublin, or I flew to Dublin by myself. Went to improv camp, super fun. Check it out, Google it. Camp Improv Utopia. <laughs> <laughs> then you met it. Me. check
0: it check it out. Google it. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I
1: did say it. I said Camp yeah, yeah. Improv Utopia. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> then you met up with me there, and then we flew to Edinburgh and we rented a Mercedes Benz to drive across Scotland and we scratched it up, and that was exciting.
0: Yeah, uh, th- this is currently, uh, under, uh, an insurance claim right now. So in case the insurance, uh, are listening, maybe we, uh, should, uh, should edit out some of that. Are you serious? <laughs> I think we'll be okay.
1: All right. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Yeah. We could have fans all over the place. Um, then we, we could.
0: We don't know how the car got scratched.
1: Let me, let me get back to it. So then we went to Glasgow. <laughs> Then we went back to Edinburgh, then we flew back to Dublin, and we had a great time in Dublin. I got very sick. I'm still sick. I cannot seem to get to Ireland without getting super sick, Craig.
0: We're two for two in going to Ireland and getting terrible cold slash the (sighs) flu.
1: It's just the fucking worst. Like, I don't know how to not make it happen. We'll do it again sometime, and it'll work out, I'm sure.
0: Is it the Guinness? Is it uh, the greenery?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's Just bad luck. Bad, 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 bad luck. And then flew back to L.A., then flew back to Portland, was at my apartment for one night, and decided I couldn't live there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Got up the next morning, packed all of my things into my car, which everything that I have in Portland fits into one car. Thank you very much. That's called minimalism, you guys. Google it. And then I'm staying with my friend now.
0: All right. Well, that is a whirlwind tour.
1: Yeah, it's been crazy. It's just been insane. Um, but it's an adventure and I'm having a good time. I'm keeping a positive attitude. And there's a German shepherd here and he and she's lovely. Her name's Stella.
0: Does she bark a lot?
1: Not at all. She's very Really? Sweet. Yeah.
0: Every German shepherd I've ever met and granted this is mostly walking my dogs, our dogs on the street. They're very defensive well, about no, their but homes. Well,
1: that's because in our neighborhood there's crappy people who just have German shepherds as alarm systems and keep them out in the yard all the time. And so, yeah,
0: yeah. But an actual German shepherd that is loved and <laughs> has Taking a home and is allowed of yeah, to yeah, I think taken they're really care good of. dogs. Yeah, yeah, is a sweet dog. Okay.
1: <sighs> so, anyways, um, that's my life right now. What have you been up to?
0: I I think I've only just got adjusted to the jet lag as of like two days ago. I was waking up at 4 a.m. every morning for several days. And I had pretty much no jet lag going from San Francisco to Dublin for some reason. Yeah, you
1: were really good. I adjusted
0: good to the time right away, Uh, but somehow flying back, and I don't know why that is, has just wrecked me.
1: No, I agree. I it's been, I think, a week now that we've been back, and I just started to feel like myself yesterday.
0: So, yeah, I and I'm just kind of resuming my improv teaching and coaching life in L.A., just kind of taking it easy. I got both dogs here. You're a dogless yeah. in Portland. Except for
1: we Stella. Had, okay. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> other than the giant German Shepherd in your apartment, but you don't have either of our dogs. I've got both of our dogs yeah. in L.A. now. We had split them up.
1: Well, it just the- makes more sense. Frankie's so much happier in L.A. She's a Southern California dog.
0: Yes, she is. She's so L.A. She's so L.A. She's LA. just laying back with uh, sunglasses like she's Spuds McKenzie.
1: <laughs> what a reference.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the 80s. <laughs> Believe me, our target demo knows exactly who Spuds McKenzie is. You know?
1: Spuds McKenzie makes me think of who was the guy with the sun with the glasses. He was like, <laughs> what am I talking about? He was like a cartoon man on a piano mm-hmm. with glasses. <laughs> was it like Mad Max or something? Or
0: oh, you're th- thinking of Max Headroom?
1: Max Headroom.
0: Yeah. Well, what's the the, same
1: era, right?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. Max Headroom and Spuds McKenzie. They were buds. Yeah. They were hanging out.
1: Oh, what's (laughs) happening? Well, funny enough, the movie that we watched takes place in the eighties.
0: It is so (laughs) eighties. Really great segue, by the way. Uh, by the way, this is a movie (laughs) podcast. Uh, in case you're just tuning in for the first time, uh, we're, we're just, spending a few minutes letting carla and i catch up uh because we never talk and we live in (laughs) two different cities but also uh we know that craigs listeners are have very patiently waited for this episode we had to take a few weeks off we just weren't able to get together and record and so here we are over facetime me in la carla in portland resuming craigslist for episode 71 number 30 on craigslist this is a 1987 french film thus my use of the language of francais uh, au les enfants oh yeah au les enfants which translates to
1: goodbye children <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's correct and it needs to be said exactly in that inflection <laughs> goodbye children
1: <laughs> i thought i was saying it very sweet <laughs> but fine
0: Maybe it's your cold Maybe. that was making it sound harsher uh, than you intended. Yeah, this is a Louis Mall film, and it is uh, semi-autobiographical based on his experience uh, in French boarding school during the Nazi occupation of France. So this is a Holocaust film, Carla.
1: Yeah, super fun. <laughs>
0: this, uh, this is a pretty sad movie.
1: It's incredibly sad. <laughs> I'm, and, why I'm laughing so hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, this may be a hard one to do bits and skits about. Yeah, uh, which we'll we'll probably keep it a, a short episode uh, as a result. But uh, this is a movie that's very uh, moving to me and very important and meaningful. And I'm glad you got to see some of it.
1: No, I saw it.
0: You definitely saw the first half. Mm-hmm. And then you maybe took about a half hour off. And then I think you came back and watched the last 20 minutes.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So let's set the, let's set the time. This was a
0: few weeks ago, by the way.
1: This was probably three weeks ago. Yeah. We were, it was, I was in LA for one night and we were flying or I was flying out to Dublin the next day. <laughs> so I had to watch Au revoir, les enfants. <laughs> in the few hours that I was awake in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and I was packing and I just wasn't uh, in the right mindset for um, this masterpiece of a film Uh, and I'm being silly here but it is it was a great movie and I think that had I been in a different headspace I could have sat and watched the whole thing but I was about to take a 10-hour flight by myself the next day and just the thought of – because I really – I'm an emotional person, you guys. <laughs> and uh, if I like see something that upsets me, I have a hard time letting go of it for a few days. <laughs> uh-huh. That's in real life and in movies. Um, like if I see movies that upset me, but also if I see things or things happen in real life. Anyways, so I just felt like I was getting really upset watching it. And that it probably, for my mental health, was a good idea to step away and go pack, as opposed to really (laughs) investing in the story of these children.
0: One night in L.A., curl up on the couch and watch a Holocaust movie with your husband. Yeah. I mean and we we had
1: to do it. We're so far behind. We've been really good in the two years or year and a half that we've been doing this podcast to not fall behind, but we are several weeks behind and releasing. So, we knew we had to watch it and that was the time to watch it.
0: I don't think of us as several weeks behind. I think of us as now caught up to the new schedule, which That's you know. True. That's good. We we can we can set our own schedule.
1: Yeah, that's true. And,
0: and release at our own rate. And you will be back in LA full time sometime in August, I think. Yeah. So we, uh, we can resume our weekly schedule then.
1: Yes. And, um, but I was just trying to explain why, why we chose to watch this film when we were so busy. Like, I just want to make sure that, uh, I'm not taking it I'm, it doesn't sound like I'm being flippant about it, that there was just a time crunch and I didn't wasn't able to give it the attention it probably deserves. Thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Car- uh,
0: I can see Carla Via FaceTime dropping the mic now <laughs> yep. and uh, and walking away. Oh, and here she is again.
1: I can't give this podcast the time it deserves to be either. <laughs> I'm very busy. Mic <laughs> Mic drop.
0: Well, thanks for making time for me, Carla. Um, What did I want to say?
1: Who knows?
0: <laughs> no, we'll cut this out. We'll cut this out. This is out. such
1: a great Carla moment that Craig's having. This is a great <laughs> Carla's moments. We should do that. Carla's moments. And what that's are where, Carla's- I, where I can't remember what I'm supposed to be talking about <laughs> or why I'm here. <laughs> that's a Carla's moment. Take a deep breath. <sighs> <laughs> Going back to just this this seriousness of the film.
0: Well, I think you were respectful to it. I think you did give it your full attention while you were there and I think you were complimentary toward it as well. And I'm glad that you saw the I think actually did you look it up on Wikipedia and read the plot summary oh, that's about right. that's halfway happened. through?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, because I didn't know what this movie was about. I thought it was just like a coming of age story, like, a, which it, which it is, which it is, but I didn't realize the backdrop was the Holocaust until <laughs> yeah. about 40 minutes into the movie. And so when I realized that and that these kids were probably going to not like that it was going to be sad, then I Googled it. I read the whole plot. And that's when I decided it was time to go pack. <laughs> you
0: stepped out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I was like, now, uh, able to go in the other room and pack my bags to go to Europe and like collect my emotions and like be brave for a minute. And then that, I sound like the most horrible person to be brave <laughs> to watch a movie when this is like a serious movie about a serious. Yeah.
0: Your own thing. personal Holocaust oh was God. watching this movie. I'm
1: a disgusting person. <laughs> but Anyways. I was kind of joking when I was saying that, but I did like take a second to step away from it so that I could like gather my emotions. And then I came back and I was like, I have to give this movie the respect it deserves and watch the final 20 minutes or whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you saw the, the Uh, ending. I'm I'm glad you saw the ending. And you also saw me reacting to the ending, right? Was was I crying?
1: Yes. It's awful. I don't know. Let's just talk for a second though, Craig. And I'm being sincere. Like, Uh, I love you, obviously.
0: And I you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't, and I, and I do feel like I understand you. Like we're very different, but as people, but I think, I feel like we have the same values. (laughs) Yes. Um, and I understand where you're coming from. I do not understand this fascination that you have with really sad films. I don't, uh, I think it's very funny. <laughs> I think it's very funny, but to watch you cry at sad movies. Yeah. Cause it's really cute. But I, it's adorable. Like I would never ever choose to watch this movie more than once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, uh, as per the rules of the list, have seen it at least three times. And I'm going to guess I've seen it more like six or seven times.
1: And I know this is the thing that we keep coming back to on this podcast. And you know, that people kind of make fun of us for, which is me always being like, oh, another sad movie. But it's true. Like I I just man, this is this was a really sad, sad film.
0: I think there are gradations of sad too. And I, I, I think we've covered this before that I I I I kind of like things that are melancholy. Mm-hmm. Uh which this may only be my personal Connotation of, of that word, but things where there's kind of sadness and beauty in equal measure, you know, that there are some films that are just like devastatingly depressing that I also think are kind of like nihilistic and don't have any human value to them. (laughs) And they, you know, and I hate, I hate those movies, (laughs) you know, I, Lars von Trier would, (laughs) would be in that category. Um, though I do like the works of Michael Hanukkah. (laughs) Who is uh in a very similar vein? Right. But I th- what
1: movies has he has he done?
0: Sorry. Well, know. he did the uh the White Ribbon and Amor. Oh okay. Uh, I mean his movies are fucking heavy.
1: Yeah, I did not watch Amor. I do not need to put myself through that.
0: Yeah, but I I think there is some sense of humanity there where I think Lars von Trier is just like a provocateur and is just trying to like get under your skin, you know? Yeah. And then there like, to you, there's like depressing, like, uh, Scorsese, which is like, uh, violence and, you know, the, the horrible, you know, underbelly of mankind, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you don't like seeing movies like this, like, like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I, well, let me talk a little bit about the, the story of avoir les enfants.
1: 18 minutes into the podcast. We're finally getting there, you guys. Sometimes it takes a while when you take time off.
0: I mean, everyone knows this movie, right? We don't have to go, we don't have to go through the plot points of avoir les enfants. Like, it's always on basic cable. You always tune in, you know, halfway through and and jump in. It's one of those movies. Uh, but yeah, it, it takes place at a (coughs) French boarding school. In, uh, 1943, 44, I believe this is when, uh, France is under Nazi occupation. And, uh, the, the main character is a boy named Julian, who is kind of a rich kid in Paris, uh, whose mom sends him and his brother to, to boarding school at this, uh, it's run by, uh, by monks, uh, Carmelite monks. Uh, I believe. And there's some new kids that come into school, uh, including one kid named Jean Bonnet. Uh, and they have kind of a frenemy relationship, Julian and, uh, Jean. So, uh, so it's kind of a frenemy relationship, which I related to as a kid, as a boy. I don't know if girl friendships are like this when you're, uh, when you're a kid, but I remember a lot of my close friends Kind of started out as a rivalry. Like, yeah. I would kind of like eye like this kid across the room. Like, who's that kid? Like, what's going on with him? I don't like him. What's that shirt that he's wearing? And then <laughs> like within a w- week, we would be like best friends. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if that's just me or if, if that's a boy thing or, or what, but I, I kind of relate to the way that Julian and Jean, uh, turn from enemies into friends. Uh, gradually in this movie. And this is a movie that's very much about cumulative effect. And I, I love those movies that are a bunch of like, if if you're just jumping in for like five minutes, like it may look boring. You don't quite get what's going on. But if you watch the whole movie, you really see a very interesting arc of cumulative effect. I agree. More,
1: I, I did really appreciate that about it. Um, yeah. Which was just like the small moments of them <clears throat> relating to each other or not relating to each other as opposed to – you know, uh, just the dr- the drama of what was actually happening in the world.
0: And I think also to think of it as a Nazi or Holocaust story, you know, it reminds <laughs> me of the the saying that, like, you know, the death of 10 people is a tragedy and the death of 10,000 is a statistic. Uh you know some variation on that which is like the the human mind can't comprehend like that level of Mm -hmm. suffering so for louis mal to take a very small incident from his life something that stayed with him for his entire life but it's basically here's a kid going through a year of school he befriends this kid uh gradually finds out that jean benet uh is really named Jean Kippelstein, and he's a Jew that the monks at the school are hiding there from the Nazis. Him and a couple of other kids are Jews. And so you kind of learn gradually over the first hour, there's really just like these little small hints. And Julian doesn't even quite understand what Jews are. There's a lot of anti-Semitism in his world, but he's kind of intrigued by this boy, and he kind of gradually figures it out. Uh, and then they, they eventually have an understanding and then a f- friendship. So, uh, jumping ahead to the end of the movie when the Nazis take away the Jewish boys and the, uh, the father, uh, I mean, it's, it's just a devastating moment and, uh, and then the, this voiceover comes in from Louis Mall himself, uh, explaining that they died at Auschwitz and, uh, Father Jean at a different camp. Uh, he says the school reopened its doors in October. More than 40 years have passed, but I'll remember every second of that January morning until the day I die. Uh, it's just this, this ending that just hits me <laughs> like a punch to the gut. And it's, it's so devastating because it's so, it's small and, Intimate and it's a personal story uh, about loss of life.
1: Can you please you know? stop crying? Right. Now. <laughs> I, I really can't take it. It's been a very big week for me.
0: <laughs> you're you're feeling emotional, <laughs> and it might be contagious. But yeah, I, I I don't know why this movie hits me so hard. But I, I just find uh, and. Somehow I, I link it into Dead Poet Society too, because that's a movie that came out two years after this. I did not go to boarding school or anything like that. I went to, to public school. <laughs> but there's something about boys in this, in this kind of like cloistered environment. Uh, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I, I was picked on as a kid. Like, uh, I always got along really? better. I was, yeah. Uh, I, was I always kidding.
1: got. That seems right. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) I always uh, got along because I had sisters. I always got along better with girls than with uh, boys. Uh, I just hated the way that boys kind of treat each other in the, you know, in gym class, you know, in the locker room. And uh, I've never liked that kind of masculine environment. So, uh, this movie and Dead Poets, uh, came out two years apart. I saw both of them when I was a college student. And also I was like going through a lot of depression and loneliness in college too. Like I was very, you know, close with my family. I was uh, away for the first time, much like Julian is <laughs> uh, <laughs> in boarding school in occupied France. Uh, I, I had to go two hours away downstate to oh. Williamsburg, Virginia. <laughs> you know, it was like such a short car ride away from my my parents, but uh, it really took me a long time to get adjusted to college. And this is one of the very first foreign films I saw in a theater, and probably one of the first foreign films I saw period. And I, I think it's not accidental that a lot of the foreign films on my list are among the very first ones that I saw: mm-hmm. Jean de Florette, Manon of the Spring, yeah. uh, uh, Wings of Desire.
1: And I don't remember that one.
0: You don't remember Wings of Desire? Uh it's the German film about angels.
1: Yes, I do. I do remember.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh Cinema Paradiso.
1: I liked that one a lot. Um, Just recapping for everyone my feelings on those films.
0: So you know, I, I, I can't say that those are among the the greatest non-English films of all time, but for me, they're the ones that I saw at a time where I was kind of expanding my horizons beyond uh Hollywood movies, and they all spoke to me. And I think if Wings of Desire is the movie that's like, oh, wow, foreign films are arty and weird, and this is so different, this is actually a movie that was kind of small and relatable to me. And it, it's the kind of, like, foreign film that bridges cultures because you you find the characters so uh, interesting and close to yourself.
1: Cool. Gotcha. <laughs> um,
0: well, let's go chronologically through the movie a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. Carla's quotes. Carla's quotes.
1: All right. What did uh, I say? <laughs> By the way, I um, have been doing this. This is a sidebar. But I was thinking about this podcast because um, I have some friends in Portland who have like a, a screening of Westworld every week and invite us, invite me over. And there are other friends. And so anyways, there's like 10 of us in the room or whatever watching Westworld. And all I want to do is talk the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, because I don't want to be rude or embarrass myself, I go so far in the opposite direction that I don't talk at all. And then I'll, and then it like takes me 10 or 15 minutes after it's over to start talking again.
0: Is no one talking during the show? Is everybody respectful?
1: Pretty much. I mean, sometimes people will make jokes. Um, I don't know. I just don't want to like be rude. So... uh. And I don't really know these, uh, like I know my friends who are friends who invite us, me over.
0: <laughs> They've been on the podcast. I'm
1: so, yeah. Uh, but I don't know any of their friends very well. So I just don't want to be a weirdo. But anyways, <laughs> my point is, is I was thinking of, I was like, Oh, uh, the other night watching Westworld, I just had so many things to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like kept pushing them down further and further. And then oh, afterwards no. we all sat around and talked about it for like, a half an hour and I just couldn't say anything because I had gone so, f- so far in the opposite direction <clears> that I was just kind of like sitting there staring at everyone. <laughs> it was so weird.
0: Again, you're an emotional person. So you have to get out your gut response <laughs> in the moment of like, this is what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. I, there's no way if you got 10 of our LA friends together to watch Westworld that we be, wouldn't be doing bits the entire time. No, and
1: that's what I actually really love about going, and these are all really funny people too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but they're all like, you know, writers or, you know, whatever. And so they have such smart, funny things to say. And so I'm just trying to absorb it and not, and not like add my stupid comments <laughs> about you know Dolores's hair or whatever
0: <laughs> yeah well they want to like process it all and then you know hear some you know well-observed yeah p- points about it rather uh, and than- there's
1: so many interesting things but uh yeah it, it's also kind of like a lesson in how I would like to sound on this podcast is really smart. <laughs> Breaking down plot structure of your films.
0: Yeah, but uh, I'm about to read off the things you said in the exactly. moment.
1: Yeah, okay, go ahead.
0: Are you caught up with Westworld, by the way? I am. As of last night or uh, Sunday's episode?
1: Yeah, okay, so I read the or watched recap videos of the ones that we missed. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be too far behind. So I'll go back and, and rewatch them. But yeah, I, I understand and I know everything that's happening.
0: Oh, okay. You mi- you miss episode four, I think it was, was a really good one.
1: I read about what happened, and I know yeah. that it was good because everybody yeah. said that on the internet.
0: <laughs> it was almost like a classic lost episode.
1: That's what I read.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then the one this week in Shogun Land, I thought was cool too.
1: Yeah. We probably yeah. shouldn't talk about it because we didn't say spoilers. Or spoilers.
0: Anything. Okay. No, but, yeah. <laughs> but
1: really people would get upset because that's – we can spoil like a 20-year-old movie, but we can't spoil Westworld.
0: <laughs> okay. So already at the beginning of Au revoir Les Enfant, Carla was a little impatient to get through it. Uh, I, I started the movie and kind of like looked to her of like, is this – can we start it? And uh, she said, is this the beginning? Yeah. Play it. Is this the beginning? <laughs> Cause it kind of starts in the middle with Julian saying goodbye to his mom at the train station. It doesn't really feel oh, yeah. like the, it's the opening of the movie. It's, it's a little confusing. Um, yeah, he's a basically a spoiled rich kid going off to boarding school, but he's still kind of a mama's boy and, uh, all the, uh, the rich kids, uh, Kind of get involved, like, on the black market, like selling their, uh, jam and jelly that they get from home that the poor kids don't get to have. And so they're kind of turning a profit off of that. They later get into trouble with the, uh, the father who admonishes them for, uh, not following Christ's ways. Um. This was either like during the opening titles or just off of somebody saying a name, but there was a name, L'Aviron, and Carla said, ooh, L'Aviron, French gibberish.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> this uh, is what
0: you do for every French or Italian movie is you just start speaking gibberish with that accent. I know. It's so
1: fun accent. Though. How could you not?
0: At one point... Uh, one of the kids pronounces Sherlock Holmes Sherlock Ormez which I, I kind of enjoyed oh yeah Sherlock Ormez <laughs> well I think uh you you can't have a movie like this without two really good child actors and I think that these kids are fantastic and neither of them really acted again after this movie
1: really that's yeah surprising to me they were both wonderful
0: you you would think that uh this would have been the jumping off point uh because a lot of French actors start early you know and worked as uh child actors or as teens uh yeah Julien is Gaspard Maness and Jean Kippelstein is Raphael feto, and uh both of them have very few credits after this, so credit to Louis Mall for recognizing the oops are you there?
1: I'm here. can you hear me?
0: yeah. Oh, I see. Uh, sorry. sorry. Your, no, your face went away. At, at, I and, was uh,
1: checking Twitter. I'm the worst. <laughs> I wasn't listening to anything you were saying. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sometimes you just start to talk for a while, though.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, this is the last one we're doing. Uh, period. No, this is the last one we're doing over Facetime.
1: I'm so sorry. This is I the need to. Thing I've ever done. <laughs> oh. I, I... <laughs> I didn't I... think you would catch me.
0: Well, this is what happens. I
1: I don't even like Twitter. Ah, sorry.
0: Uh, anything good on Twitter?
1: Yeah. Uh <laughs> oh, some. Some guy watched 2001. <laughs> who was telling me about us about it?
0: Yeah, we're missing the uh, the 50th anniversary release of 2001 in the theaters, which is like there's no better opportunity for Carla to go see it. And uh, Eben and his son went to see it again last yeah. night, and uh, we weren't able to uh, to join them. Um, yeah, the, uh, the restored 2001 was remastered by Christopher Nolan, or he says demastered, uh, because it's back to whatever, you know, the, uh, it, it's, it's shown on film and it's like back to kind of like the original grain that you would have seen in 1968 in, uh, in seeing it. Cool. Is it cool? <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Go back to what you were saying. Sorry.
0: All I was saying is that these two, <laughs> two boys never acted again. Right, right. And right. that, uh, Louis Mao found a, uh, a couple of good ones.
1: Okay. Yeah. I heard that. Next quote.
0: Uh, at one point, Julian is kind of like harming himself with a compass, like sticking it into his skin and making himself bleed. Oh, yeah. And Carla said, Ow, oh, I knew that was coming.
1: Yeah. I never did that.
0: Good. Good
1: the the most the most body body harm bodily harm that I did to myself as a kid because I think when you're a kid sometimes you're just like what will this feel like right sure you're testing you're, you're not thinking about
0: the consequences of it
1: I took my tongue and I stuck it on the freezer stuck it
0: <laughs> I opened oh, no. the
1: freezer and I stuck because I had seen Christmas Story and I was like That's that can't be real and I stuck my tongue on the freezer door. And it stuck, and I I freaked out. I mean, like, I could pull it off, but it was yeah. definitely sticking to it. Yeah. So I, like, freaked out. I didn't know what to do, and so I just yanked it away. And my, like, <laughs> so gross. Like, there was skin on the freezer door, and my tongue was bleeding. Oh. And, it, like, it didn't take out a chunk or anything, but it, like, ripped off a piece of a layer of tongue. Yeah. Oh. But I learned my Be- lesson.
0: The human body is resilient, though. That yeah. tongue can grow back.
1: And it did. That's, that's I have a crazy. great tongue now. <laughs> it's yes. Stronger than – Stronger – <laughs> Don't. <laughs> okay. What else?
0: Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what the kids in 1943 France are playing. They're playing – They play some game in the yard where they're all on stilts and like trying to knock each other off of stilts. Oh, yeah. And the, like, trying to pretend to be, like, medieval knights and stuff like that. It's so weird. And Carla said, what a terrible game.
1: Yeah. It seems, um, dangerous.
0: <laughs> um, also when we go out in the yard, there's a pen full of pigs and Carla got so excited, uh, cause I think you've had pigs, uh, as pets on the brain lately. Yeah. And you said, hey, piggies. And then one of the characters says they'll be ready to eat in two months. And Carla said, oh. <sighs>
1: <laughs> I do want a pig. Oh, I want to give this Instagram account a shout out. <coughs> Pickles, the pig, I think is what it's called. Pickles. Okay. You guys should all follow this Instagram account. It's the cutest pig I've ever seen Um, <laughs> who lives with this lady who has a bunch of farm animals as pets. Anyways, if you like pigs, shout out to Pickles.
0: <clears throat> but, uh, I mean, what did you think the pigs were there for? I mean, uh, in this movie, of course they're going to be slaughtered. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, such a bummer. But that actually becomes a plot point of him realizing that, uh, Bonet does not eat pork. Uh, so one of the, the first clues as to who he really is. Uh, there's a, there's, other than the mom, there's one female role in the movie, which is the piano teacher. Mm-hmm. So not a lot of ladies you can relate to in this. Um but uh uh so that she,
1: didn't bother me so much honestly.
0: Because of the type of story that was being told.
1: Yeah, because it was there was it was so purposeful because it's an all boys school, you know. I yeah. don't know. And it's had a specific time period and I don't know it it felt less like we're going to keep women out of this story because we don't know what to do with them and more just like there wouldn't have been women around
0: yeah that makes sense um, yeah but she's played by uh, Irene uh, Irene Jacob or Irene Jacob uh, who is the star of a couple of my other favorite foreign films uh, Christoph Kieslowski's The Double Life of Veronique and Red, uh, which is a movie that's just short of making Craigslist and is absolutely fantastic. Uh, but this was her first movie. And you had asked what you know her from, and I'm wondering if it is the Kenneth Branagh Lawrence Fishburne Othello. Did you see that?
1: No, I did. Mm-hmm. Knowing
0: that you're a big Branagh fan. Uh big she played Branagh fan. <laughs> Big Brana fan.
1: <laughs> Carla, big Brana fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she played uh, Desdemona in, uh, in that movie. And I think that's her one English language movie. Um, but I was reading uh, Roger Ebert's great movies review of, of and phone. And something that I didn't realize uh, is how much the piano scene is actually a motif throughout the movie. Uh, because we, one of the reasons that Julian is so fascinated by Jean is that he seems to, he seems to be talented and, uh, knows all these things that the other kids don't. And then there's classes where he just kind of like sits in the back and draws because he's already taken that class or whatever. And so it's one of the ways in which they're kind of rivals. And so, uh, Julian is kind of like me when I had piano lessons, which he's like, he like dicks around and doesn't, uh, prepare. And, you had
1: piano lessons?
0: Uh, oh, yeah. I had piano lessons from, like, age 7 through 11, something like that. Oh, my
1: goodness. That's so cute. Can you <laughs> still play anything?
0: No. No. Oh. I can I can read music. I can plunk out a melody on the piano. Like, I, I can do that. But getting two hands working together, no fucking way. <laughs> like, I remember
1: – I had no idea, Craig, that you took piano lessons.
0: I did, yeah. And I would very rarely practice. And so I, I remember my piano teacher just giving me a hard time, uh, because it had obvious I had not prepared anything. And me and my friend Toby, we had, I, we had piano lessons together. So like we would sit in the room while the other, uh, had his lesson and we would kind of listen to each other. And I think the idea was that we were supposed to like bring up each other's game by motivating each other. <laughs> Or whatever, but there was a point where we just weren't learning the lessons, and we asked her to teach us uh Vince Guaraldi's Linus and Lucy, the theme from peanuts uh which seems like it would be so easy, but it's like really complicated jazz with like the left hand is doing all the work in that while the the melody is relatively. Uh, easy to plunk out on the right hand, but I could never come close to playing that. And I think that's how I realized like this is not for me. <laughs> because... But she
1: she let you. She taught it to you. She
0: did try to teach us Linus that's and nice. Lucy for a while. I feel yeah.
1: like, uh, like <clears throat> I I um played cello when I was a kid, and I took voice lessons and that sort of thing. But all my teachers always wanted us to do the thing that nobody wanted to do. (laughs) Yeah. Because when you're a kid, you just want to sing or play the the song that you enjoy listening to, even if it's not necessarily what you should be learning (laughs) to learn how to do this thing well, to play the instrument well. But I always felt like I just wish that the teachers would let us have fun and then maybe we'd fall in love with the instrument. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to like, you have to play this classical piece of music um, because it's going to make you a better musician well then at a certain point I stop having a good time and I don't want to do it anymore
0: Yeah, it was the same for me with saxophone. Like I played saxophone in school and I I just kind of maxed out like what my natural talent was capable of. But yeah, I think that's why like the Suzuki method when they start like kids at like two or three, like just give them the instrument or like a kid's version of the instrument, allow them to kind of play around and then, you know, they're already used to it and they get it like a, it's just like learning a language.
1: Right. Interesting. Okay. I'm glad we hashed that out and I've learned something new about you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh but let me read this passage from Robert egert's Robert eberge no nope. roger roger Ebert's.
1: there you go
0: <laughs> roger Ebert's uh review of avoir les enfants in his great movies collection this is one that he wrote years after the the movie was released uh where he a, revisits a movie as a all-time classic um so, uh, he does, however, feel some envy after he fails a piano lesson with the pretty Mademoiselle Davin, Irene Jacob. And then Jean sits down, and begins to play with ease and beauty. From time to time, the single awkward notes of Julian's tortured piano lesson will be heard on the soundtrack as when Jean gets a better essay score than Julian. When Julian sits for a long time in the bathtub and close up, we hear the notes again as the camera focuses on his face. We imagine he is piecing together everything he knows and deciding to keep Jean's secret. And then at the very end of the movie, we hear, uh, the, the bad piano lesson that julian had been playing where we'd heard his wrong notes at the very end we the camera stays on his face and we hear the piano lesson played correctly this time so it's like symbolic of his uh awakening and kind of his transfer into adulthood is finally being able to play that piano melody and that's something that i'd never uh caught the numerous times that i'd seen this movie
1: really cool (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> this must have been at about the halfway point in the movie. Uh, I, I think you 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 were kind of like, well, "What is what is this? What is this about?" And I explained to you uh, that I'm like, "Oh, they're hiding them. They're Jews." <laughs> uh, and then I think that's when you started googling. Uh, but you said, "Does he turn him in at the end of the movie? Is this what this is about?" Yeah. Uh, which would be even worse if Julian is the one who turns him in. Then there's a uh Jean has a little mouse in the cupboard uh that's like is uh like a little mouse that's his pet, and Carlos is gross. That's not a good idea. That's how you get diseases, I think
1: <laughs> stupid Carla
0: I don't know if you missed the uh nocturnal emission reference either.
1: No, I got it. yeah, I just didn't feel like I needed to explore it with you. <laughs>
0: No, I, I, I literally meant, I don't know if you saw the scene where he, he talks about having oh. wet, wet dreams, you know? No,
1: I totally saw it.
0: Okay. Uh, cause Julian does wake up periodically through the movie and he's like, oh, I peed my bed again. But then later he has a conversation with Jean of like, oh no, he's having wet dreams, you know? Cause of course they're just like, uh, they're pubescent.
1: Right. I got uh,
0: it. Yeah. Uh, you missed, uh, probably, one of the most memorable sequences of the movie. Great. Um, yeah, way to go, Carla. Um, but, uh, there's a, a really moving and interesting scene where, uh, Jean's mother or, or Julian's mother does, uh, come to visit the school for like parents day or, or whatever. Or it's a, or it's a holiday and, uh, Jean and Julian are, are fighting in the yard. And so he may, she makes, uh, her sons take Jean along with them to this fancy restaurant. Uh, but then there's a bunch of Nazi soldiers dining there. They kind of flirt with her. There's an elderly Jewish man who some collaborationist soldiers are going to escort out of the restaurant. And Jean, who we know at this point is a Jew, is kind of silently watching all of this of them about to carry this man away. Yeah. And then the, uh, the Nazi officers step up and... Uh, and they're like, uh, no, no, let him sit down. It's it's fine. Uh, and then they toast uh, his mom like they were just doing it to flirt with her. Uh, but it, it's a very uh, kind of tense and interesting scene where you kind of get a glimpse of like, oh, here's the France that's going on outside of the confines of this boarding school and uh and the realities of like these are people who were in high society but there's all these uh religious and class tensions there yeah. um sorry you missed that scene
1: i'm not it sounds really sad
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh and then you know kind of the the heartbreak at the end of the movie but because now they are kind of like fast friends we see them like playing like a boogie-woogie duet on the piano uh, all the boys get to watch a Charlie Chaplin short called The Immigrant with live music playing. Um, there's an air raid siren, which they kind of uh, ignore to play. They read erotic passages from, uh, the Arabian Nights together. Uh, but then it's, it's so abrupt that, uh, Nazis, uh, Invade the school. They've gotten a tip from this, uh, this butcher boy who works at the school who had been, uh, sent away for dealing a black market. He informed on them. And so the Gestapo come in and, uh, and take away the, uh, the three boys and the, uh, and the father who had been hiding them. And, cool. uh, just that, that devastating ending that I talked about before. Yeah. I, I, this movie just, moves me really deeply. And yeah, it'll probably be a while before I see it again. <laughs> Not until yeah. the next time that I do the list in t- 10 years or whatever, but, uh, but it is worthwhile revisiting, uh, every few years for me. Uh, and th- I realize also for you, Craig's listeners, that this is one of the hardest movies to find. So is it?
1: I, that's surprising to me. Yeah, it's
0: not streaming anywhere unless you have the app Filmstruck. Filmstruck is uh, – I, I don't have it myself because I have this on DVD from Criterion Collection. But Filmstruck is an app which has the entire uh, Criterion Collection on it, uh, which you can get on more recent Apple TVs than we have or uh or on your laptop. So if you want to watch a voile les enfants streaming, that's pretty much your only option. Otherwise you'll have to track down a DVD of it. I actually found it for free uh in a couple places online, but without the English subtitles. So gotcha. if you are a French speaker, you can probably find it for free online. Cool. Uh you wanna give this a letter grade?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's probably an A film. Um, even though I didn't get to watch ev- all of it, which I'm allowed to do, by the way, you guys, I don't have to watch all of it.
0: She she only has to watch a third of it. Um, yeah. And you saw so over two thirds of this.
1: An, I'm going to give it an A from what I saw. It was very moving and just well done. Really <clears throat> lovely storytelling. Uh, simple storytelling, not overly complicated and easy to follow. And, uh, very sad.
0: Okay. Well, that's that's nice of you, Carla. I, I like that you respected this movie. I think of all the things we've covered so far, it's only behind E.T. to me. So really? I'm gonna I'm gonna put E.T. ahead of uh of Welles and Font, but I'm gonna pretty much keep this movie where it is. Uh Louis Maul, by the way, only made three more films after this. He died in nineteen ninety five. Oh. Uh he was married to Candace Bergen at the time. Oh wow. His, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he started out, uh, in France, uh, along with the, the new wave. He started around the same time as like Godard and Truffaut and all of those guys. Uh, his first movie elevator to the gallows has a great Miles Davis soundtrack. Uh, some other good French films that he did are murmur of the heart and Lacombe, Lucien. But then he moved to America and made, I think five or six English language films. Murphy and- Brown he made he created murphy brown <laughs> nope not him
1: uh but isn't that what candace bergen is famous for? yeah
0: candace Br- which is going to be on the fall schedule by the way I murphy brown's know. coming back uh any show that was on the air in 1988 is going to be on the fall schedule um but he famously made uh my dinner with andre Oh, yeah. Uh, which is Wallace Sean and, uh, Andre Gregory just having a long conversation over dinner. He had an Oscar nominated best picture, Atlantic City with, uh, Burt Lancaster and Susan Sarandon. Wow. That is a, that's a really good movie as well. And then I love, love, love his last movie that he also did with, uh, Andre Gregory and Wallace Sean, which is Vanya on 42nd Street, uh, with, uh, Julianne Moore as well. Julianne Moore, I'm Julian. still in. I'm still in French mode. But it's uh, a very low-key, intimate uh, movie of uh, actors doing uh, Uncle Vanya, a production of Uncle Vanya that Andre Gregory directed, uh, which is just kind of them in their street clothes walking off the streets of Manhattan into this uh, theater and then doing a production of Uncle Vanya for a few friends. And uh, it's really great. It was a great swan song for... Monsieur mall. Well,
1: ah, that's nice. Um, I don't know if I want to improvise on this movie. <laughs>
0: um, well, why don't we do, uh, why don't we do a scene then of, uh, rather than Julian's piano lesson, why don't we do my piano lesson?
1: Oh, okay. That's good. Phew. <laughs> All right.
0: Hey, Ms. Kite.
1: Uh, Hello, Craig.
0: <laughs> um, Yeah, I didn't really practice this week, Mrs. Kite. Is that cool?
1: Oh, you know, I kind of feel like maybe you should just um, do do you. You do you.
0: Me do me? Okay, in that case, I'm leaving. I don't, I don't want to play the piano. Oh, no,
1: no, 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 no. You cannot leave. Your parents have paid so much for you to study.
0: Really? How much do they pay?
1: Well, it's at least, you know, I make good money.
0: You do? <laughs> you make a living off of teaching kids piano lessons? Look,
1: I am very expensive. I am, uh, you know, very, uh, efficient and, uh, like, um, well-paid babysitter.
0: You're really sexy in French, too.
1: Well, okay. I,
0: ho- I hope that's, I hope that's not nice forward for me to say.
1: Uh, put your hands on the piano. Okay. There on the go.
0: keys or just in, anywhere on the piano?
1: Basically, uh, just keep your hands to yourself, and you know.
0: Oh, I want team. you know, I want to play that song. I want to play the Georgia satellites. Keep your hands to yourself. Can you teach me that on the piano?
1: Well, funny you should say that because it is one of my specialties. Really? Yes. We. Oui?
0: Um, I've been having these weird dreams at night. And then I I wake up uh, and I peed my bed. Basically,
1: you want to uh, put your fingers on the keys. Okay. And, um, you know, think of these dreams like uh, uh, waking into a musical land. Okay. And uh, let your dreams guide your fingers.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm playing it. Like, for the first time, I really understand piano. This sounds amazing, doesn't it? I'm great.
1: Like I said, I'm very good at what I do, and I'm very well worth all the money your parents give me.
0: (laughs) Uh, Merci, Madame Kite.
1: Merci, Craig.
0: (laughs) Au revoir, Madame Kite.
1: Au revoir? We still have at least 45 (laughs) minutes. Oh,
0: shit. I'm trying to get out of here. (laughs) and scene
1: oh boy we should come up with a sound effect so we don't have to always say and scene yeah
0: it's the worst isn't it what it's what's the
1: worst worst
0: what kind of sound effect
1: because i have and i wasn't just saying that because you said that i've said and scene like uh <laughs> we should do like a um a, the sound of somebody jumping out of a plane <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is immediately identifiable right yeah everyone right. will know that sound
1: or maybe like tarzan call. Tarzan's call.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh yeah, so we'll we'll edit <laughs> the end of every khaki theater with a tarzan call.
1: I feel like my french accent was pretty good.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, have you been working on it? Yes. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, basically every day I work on it.
0: It was pretty believable. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, Avada's and Enfants by the way, has a titular line. Uh, not every movie does, but yeah, it's one of the last lines of the movie. It's the uh, the father says it to the kids as he's leaving.
1: It's a, it is a good movie. You guys should watch it. It was very sad, though. <clears throat> Just Get be prepared. Your tissues. Um. Here's the thing, Craig. Yes. Because it's easier for us to be face to face in person when we're doing this for your list. I think I would like to do a Carla's List episode next.
0: Oh, okay. This is,
1: this is news to you. I, absolutely. But we have some guests that we want to get for the, for some coming up and we need to give it a little space. Okay. <clears throat> so we can make sure that we can get them. And so I'm thinking that, well, Gosh, I'm trying to decide between two movies that I want to do, but I'm thinking I might just have to do the more fun one as a nice palate cleanser after this sob fest that you just made me watch. Okay. So I think I'd like to do Beetlejuice.
0: Beetlejuice. Yeah. Sure. Okay.
1: Have you seen Beetlejuice before?
0: Hell yeah! I saw it when it came out, 1988, in me the movie too. theaters. Yeah. I was eight. And I was older. Twenty-four. Nope. <laughs> I was 19.
1: <laughs> what if we had been in the same movie theater together?
0: Oh, I hope we were. <laughs>
1: uh, Is that okay? Can we do Beetlejuice? It,
0: sure. Are we going to watch it together?
1: We could. We could try. Uh,
0: We could watch it. We're about to go to uh, next week. We're teaching at a uh, camp for the Magnet Improv Theater in upstate New York.
1: Yes. Yeah, so maybe we'll watch it then.
0: We could watch it then or we could watch it separately.
1: We'll figure uh, that out.
0: Okay. Around. They, they don't have to hear us planning yeah, out the logistics of how this yeah. is going to happen. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much, Craig's listeners, for tuning in. Uh, our next episode, I guess, is going to be a <laughs> Carla's List episode. Uh, I was all prepared to introduce the next movie on the list, but fine. We'll do it Carla's way. And we will watch a 1988 Tim Burton flick. Classic. St- classic starring Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis winona Ryder and michael keaton
1: and katherine o'hara
0: yeah i guess she's in it too
1: she's really in it
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh and that movie would be called beetlejuice we'll see you then what
1: do you mean i guess she's
0: well she's not one of the five leads the list is an absolute good the list is life